everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Poems A Penny Each. Um, I'm really excited actually about the poem we're going to look at today because we're going to visit the work of Seamus Heaney and we're going to talk about Death of a Naturalist. And and one thing, that what, the reason why I'm excited really about this poem and about talking about Seamus Heaney is because anyone who grew up in Ireland, uh, particularly Jordan, the 70s, 80s and possibly the 90s, um, got to read a lot of Seamus Heaney in school. It was our introduction to poetry was the voice of Seamus Heaney. Um, learning about Patrick Kavanagh and, and William Butler Yeats, that all came later on when, when we would go to secondary school. But in primary school, um, as as young kids, we would be introduced to Irish poetry and the voice that we heard was that of Seamus Heaney. Because he wrote about things that we would understand. Some of his early poems deal with, with childhood in Ireland. So we understood it. It meant something. And it, it taught us that you could write about life in in rural Ireland. And make it sound exciting and interesting. So that's why I, I, I'm quite excited about this. Because there were two poems that we read particularly in school. about That um, Seamus Heaney wrote. Um one was midterm break which was about the death of his younger brother uh, Christopher who was hit by a car one one day um which is 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 a very horrific thing and I remember reading that poem and being horrified at the idea that someone young could die um you know when you're a kid you tend to not really think about death death only seems to be something that all people always talk about um but that poem really was quite a, a poem that had an impact on us for that reason. The The other reason, or the other poem, was this poem, Death of a Naturalist, which I'm going to discuss in a moment. But I really, I really enjoyed this poem. I think it's a brilliant poem and it's, it has everything that a, a young person enjoys. Um... You know, the the presence, for example, of the word farting always always made us laugh as kids. But besides that, it's a brilliant poem and quite a good story as well. And it was one of those things that, that, that kind of introduced the idea that a poem doesn't just have to be some highfalutin romantic drivel. That it can be a story about something commonplace and everyday and make it exciting. And, and you can write it as a poem you can tell a story through a poem and that was a revelation for me something that i've tried to work at in my poetry a lot is to tell stories and and it all stems from this particular poem so what we're going to do is we'll do what we always do we'll have um the we'll listen to the poem and then i will do a close reading on some of the lines that really stand out to me and and why i enjoy this poem so much so we leave it to Seamus. Death of a Naturalist All year the flax dam festered in the heart of the townland. Green and heavy-headed, flax had rotted there, weighted down by huge sods. Daily it sweltered in the punishing sun. Bubbles gargled delicately. Blue bottles wove a strong gauze of sound around the smell. There were dragonflies, spotted butterflies, 
but best of all was the warm, thick slobber of frogspawn that grew like clotted water in the shade of the banks. Here, every spring, I would fill jam potfuls of the jellied specks to range on windowsills at home, on shelves at school, and wait and watch until the fattening dots burst into nimble swimming tadpoles. Miss Walls would tell us how the daddy frog was called a bullfrog, and how he croaked, and how the mammy frog laid hundreds of little eggs, and this was frog spawn. You could tell the weather by frogs too, for they were yellow in the sun and brown in rain. Then, one hot day, when fields were rank with cow dung in the grass, the angry frogs invaded the flax dam. I ducked through hedges to a coarse croaking that I had not heard before. The air was thick with a bass chorus. Right down the dam, gross-bellied frogs were cocked on sods. Their loose necks pulsed like sails. Some hopped. The slap and plop were obscene threats. Some sat poised like mud grenades, their blunt heads farting. I sickened, turned, and ran. The great slime kings were gathered there for vengeance, and I knew that if I dipped my hand, the spawn would clutch it. So that was um, Seamus Heaney reading the poem, um, and that's taken from the audio book, Seamus Heaney uh, Collected Poems, dealing with um, Death of a Naturalist, Door in the Dark and Wintering Out. I'll have a link for where you can get that on Audible if you want to listen to him read his poems. I do recommend it. It's it's really good listening to him uh, read his poems. He's got such a lovely voice and, of course, it really adds to the work of a poet when you listen to them reading their own work. Um, it's also good to remember that this is or yesterday was the seventh anniversary of the death of Seamus Heaney. He died on the thirtieth of August in twenty thirteen. Um and and really it was quite a sad loss when when he died. If I remember actually that there was a minute silence for him during a Gaelic football match in Croke Park, which shows you how important he was to Ireland because or to Irish people because fact that they stopped a um, Gaelic match and remembered a poet of all things so definitely he he was he is an iconic poet and this this poem is one of those poems that I really loved when I was growing up it was one of the poems that we read I, like we used to have to read a lot of poems and, and little short stories and essays in our school book to develop our comprehension and stuff like that and and this poem always I always enjoyed it. There were two Heaney poems that we often came across in in school in Ireland, "Death of a Naturalist," and then there was "Midterm Break," which is about the sad death of his younger brother Christopher, who got hit by a car one evening. This poem we always loved, and my friends and I, because first of all he uses the words "farting" in it, like I said, which we always thought was really good, but. He was writing about something that we did, just as in Blackberry Picking, another thing that we did, um, particularly at this time of year, we would start doing it. And and it was really nice to um, to have this thing of, of a poet, an adult poet, writing about things that we did, and we us being able to understand it. 
It made it made it so much more accessible. And I think that's one of the greatest things about Seamus Heaney was the fact that he was a very accessible poet. Um not not only was his poetry easy to read and understand and, and, and understand on a deeper level than just mere comprehension, but he was accessible in that he was always willing to have a chat with people and you know, at at um events where he was doing readings or book signings or whatever he was always very personable and 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 chatty and a bit of a laugh and i think that that's one of the things i might get forgotten about him is the fact that he was so accessible to people not just by means of his poetry but also by his openness and willingness to converse with people now now back to this poem i'm going to just talk about a few few parts of this poem that really stand out and, and why this poem is such an enjoyable poem to read. Um, but first we'll talk about the idea of, at the beginning of the poem he says, all year the flagstaff festered in the heart of the townland. Now I don't know, I know that in Ireland this idea of townland is a very important aspect of local governmental organisation because you have, Ireland is broken into four provinces um, and then there are 32 counties on the island of Ireland, six of which are under British rule. And the rest are under um, Irish governance. And so you have, you have inside each county then you have your different districts and they're broken down into townlands. And a townland can be either quite a large area or it can be a small area. Some townlands are like basically one village and the area surrounding the village. Other townlands um, comprise, you know, multiple villages. Um, some have no people or villages living in them anymore and are little more than bogs. But every, like the whole of Ireland is broken up into sections, um, province, county, and then your, your townland. You've also have your, your bigger towns, villages and cities that sometimes encapsulate an entire townland or more but um most people in ireland are tied to their townland there's um, a sort of a, a pride which begins townland county province then country that's how it works in ireland and um, sometimes this kind of gets diminished people move around and travel around but there's always still that tie to the townland even when people, Irish people have moved to the other side of the world, there's still a, a, a tie to the townland that they're from. And so when Seamus writes about the townland, that's what he's on about. It's not just the village. It's that little patch that surrounds it, that almost like a little nation within, within a, a larger nation kind of thing. And people are bound or tied to that. So in the in the centre of the townland that he grew in. So that gives you an idea that there is the possibility because some townlands are little more than a couple of houses in, in surrounded by a lot of countryside. And it, so here he is in the in the heart of the townland, there's um an area where there is like a flax dam. And it's in the heart of the townland. And in there it would be alive with nature. So this, this kid would go there. <clears throat> Daily it sweltered in the punishing sun. Bubbles gargled delicately. Blue bottles wove a strong gauze of sound around the smell. 
There were dragonflies, spotted butterflies, but best of all was the warm thick slobber of frog spawn that grew like clotted water in the shade of the dark banks. And this line is just absolute brilliant. Just when you think of the choice of words slobber, you could have said best of all was the warm tick glob or the warm tick loop or the warm blob or any of these things and they would be they would be good enough but when he says slobber you can actually imagine trying to pick frog spawn up with your hands and it just sliding and slipping off your hands and that's what you feel it when when you read that word and even say it out loud slobber it just has that essence of it and then even then he goes on of the slobber of frog spawn that grew like clotted water. So just this essence, fullness, richness. It's like, um, you know, it just conveys that whole idea of bountiful earth, of nature rich, thick, alive. Okay, so does that... It's one of the, those things, and when you listen to him read it, it comes across even better. But he uses so many words like that in his poems that give this essence of earthiness. So that you're not just reading about it, you're almost putting your hand into it. You're almost picking up. There's ones where he's talking about sods of turf and squat pen and all of these things, like in digging. And you almost feel as if you're putting your hand in and just... And, and pulling out a clump of dirt or a clump of earth and with this you feel the frog spawn as you lift it out of the thick clotted water and it slobbers off your hand like goo and you feel it as you're reading it and I love that about Seamus Heaney he was so clever and genius and just one word can transform it from merely a reading exercise into something that you're experiencing yourself and he helps you, he gets you there and, and helps you feel this as he remembers it. You're remembering it, you're living his memory because you're feeling it too. And you're there. You're not just reading about it. And and he does that so easy just with a couple of words. So now we get to the, the section where the, nat the naturalist is ex describing his experience of, of naturalism. He... um would collect the frog spawn and every spring he, I would fill jam pot fulls of the, of the jellied specks to range on windowsills at home on shelves at school and wait and watch until the fattening dots burst into nimble swimming tadpoles that was it that's what he liked he liked the neatness of it he would take the stuff from nature from from there from where it belonged stick it in jars and put it nice and neat behind glass on shelves or windowsills and watch as it became frog spawn but he never says what happens after that and as we, and and it, like it, he never describes it being frogs it's always to the point of them being lovely nimble swimming tadpoles and and I I always laugh at this because to me it kind of captures the essence of like Victorian naturalists, whose idea of cons conservation work was to shoot an animal, kill it, stuff it, and stick it in a glass case for you to look at and go, behold, here is a lion, here is an elephant. And and that was it. The idea that, you know, leave it alive and let it be. You don't have to kill it. 
that was just a weird idea to them. Why wouldn't you want to shoot it? We're, we're, we're preserving it for eternity by stuffing it rather than leaving it alone. And then you had zoos and all that, which weren't quite what they are now. Now they're places of protection for animals. But back in those days, again, it was this thing of taking nature from nature, putting it there nice and neat so you could arrange it and observe it. But you weren't really observing it. It was a contri contrivance. And, and this is what this kid enjoyed. He enjoyed the control over nature. But he wasn't really enjoying nature as it was. And he has his comeuppance. Because, like I said, he do, he never saw to the point of frogs. He always went to the point of them being nimble frogs or nimble tadpoles. So now we come to the, the stage where nature has his revenge. And this bit I always loved because it's kind of like comeuppance for this kid. I think it's kind of like a, a comeuppance for him. Because he experiences nature as it is and he becomes terrified. And there's another little bit just before I go on to that part where the teacher, you know, kind of sensing the kid's interest in nature, uses this to um, uses it to kind of try and teach him. So you have the bit where, you know, Mrs. or Miss Walls would say how the daddy frog was a bullfrog and how he croaked and how the mammy frog laid hundreds of little eggs. And this was frog spawn. And then you have the other little tidbit of information there. You could tell the weather by frogs too. They were yellow in the sun and brown in the rain. And and so you can almost imagine this teacher sensing, ah, oh, this kid, I, I can use this to teach him. This is an opportunity to impart knowledge to the class. And it was all very neat, very quaint. So now we come to the, cruci the crucial day. One hot day when the fields were rank with cow dung in the grass. And I love that sentence. That experience, um, like for me yesterday, uh, it was a Sunday. It's Monday, although it's a bank holiday Monday here in in, in uh, Britain. I'm um, still recording this, but yesterday I went for a walk with my wife, my kids and my mother-in-law and sister-in-law. And we went for a walk through the woods and then we came to this meadow that we always sit in. And there's a tree, a big oak tree that we'd like to sit under. And on hot days it's just perfect there. But yesterday there were cows let out in the field and they were off in the distance munching on grass. But the place was absolutely littered with um, cow dung. And, and it comes across in this because there's lots of different meanings for the word rank. But in this context, then one hot day when the fields were rank with cow, dungs in the, with cow dung in the grass... This essence is is like it's disgusting. They were filthy. They were absolutely just disgusting. With them, um, cow dung was just everywhere. It was like foul. The angry frogs invaded the flax dam. Well, where do all these tadpoles? What do all these tadpoles do? Where did they all go to? Well, they become frogs, and all of a sudden, there's this influx of frogs on the flax dam. So it's like an amassing army, the revenge of all these creatures that he's taken out of their out of their natural habitats to look at in jars until they become frogs. But well, there's a next stage. So he's there and all of a sudden, there's, what's this noise? The air is thick with this sound, the coarse air croaking. Or not the corsair. I dug through hedges to a coarse croaking that I had not heard before. The air was thick. With a bass chorus. 
know, of course, bass there can mean like heavy, you know, like bassy noise, but also bass can also mean disgusting. Although I'm probably reading more into that, I have a feeling actually I'm just being a little bit too um, mad with, with the word there. But bass, so he hears this sound. Of course, like for me, you know, different spelling, I suppose. But but there's this sound, and and it's all over the place, and he doesn't doesn't like it. it it's kind of terrifying to him. And then right down the dam, gross belly frogs were cocked on sods. Their loose necks pulsed like sails. Some hopped. And this is a lovely sentence here again. The slap and plop were obscene threats. So he's hearing the slap of them as they're hopping around. And the plop of them in the water. And, and, and in his, this kid's mind, oh, this doesn't sound good. It sounds like they're coming for me. You know, you can imagine the panic of it. It sounds like threats. They were obscene threats. Some sat like mud grenades, their blunt heads farting. Again, a be beautiful use of the word. But you can imagine them, these big fat brown plops there just waiting to come at you. And what does the kid do? Sickened, it says, he turns and runs away. The great slime kings were gathered there for vengeance, and I knew that if I dipped my hand, the spawn would the spawn would clutch it. So, this is it. He's now confronted with nature as it actually is. It's not all neat. It's not all delicate. This little delicate, nimble frog spawn in jars. Nature is horrific sometimes, and it kills off any interest that he has in nature. But. That's the thing about it. Like at the end of the day, when you're out there with nature, sometimes it's not pretty. And at one time I went for a walk with my family around a, a wildlife reserve, and while we were enjoying the the wonders of the of the place, the lakes and the, all the different birds that were around, we came across the remains of a duck that had been destroyed by a fox. It wasn't a pretty. It was a quite a scene. Let me tell you. But that's the thing about nature. Sometimes, it's it's beautiful and and sends your dopamine levels through the roof other times it's quite horrific and gory and not very nice at all but you got to enjoy it as it is don't be like this kid don't run away just because nature can be a bit terrifying to you but by all means don't try to have nature as something that you observe sitting at home on with jars on your windowsills because that's not experiencing nature at all so that that's the poem again i'm gone the links are there I urge you to read it. I urge you to, to get the um, collected poems of Heaney, um, of Seamus Heaney on Audible and, and listen to him because him reading his poems is just a, an absolute treat. So I hope you enjoyed the poem and I hope you, you do that. As you read it, just think about the fact that nature isn't there for us to take out of nature. You, you can't observe nature and be a naturalist by having things ranged on your windowsills, watching them in jars. You can only really experience nature by getting out there. And and I urge you to do that, especially at this time with all this stuff that's gone on in the world. If you go out and experience nature, you will be richly rewarded. You will get a dose of happy. And that's my tuppence on it anyway. But by all means, please read Seamus Heaney's work. It is such an enriching experience and such a pleasure.
thank you very much for listening to this week's episode. Don't forget to rate the podcast and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Check out the links in the show notes for more information about the poet and to read the poem we looked at this week. And also check out the link to learn more about my poetry. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time, stay safe.